MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Hey there, everybody. It's me, Josh, your old pal. And for this week's SYSK Selects, I've chosen our classic 2014 episode on the game of Monopoly. It's a really thorough episode where we explained everything, everything about the game of Monopoly. And I was apparently on Quaaludes throughout the whole thing. Go figure. Anyway, enjoy this episode. I think you will. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark with Charles W. Chuck Bryant and Jerry Rowland, which makes us Stuff You Should Know. That's right. Got on my top hat and my cane. Your monocle? My monocle. Does he have a monocle? I thought it was, uh, no, that's Mr. Peanut. Oh, yeah. Not Mr. Monopoly. And I think Mr. Pringle has a monocle, too, doesn't he? Oh. Or no, he just has a no. mustache. Yeah. Mr. Monopoly doesn't have a monocle, huh? I don't think so. Huh. You'd think we'd know. <laughs> we do not. But I do know this. Mr. Monopoly is a nickname for that man. That's right. His born name, his given name by uh, his parents is uh, Rich Uncle Pennybags. Three names. So Uncle would be his middle name. Yeah. It, well, he even has a regular name, too. Oh, uh, not that I saw. Yeah. It is um, Milburn Pennybags. No. Yeah. Uh, there was a book um, published, and this is one of those after-the-fact deals, called The Monopoly Companion. Uh-huh. And uh, they named all the character characters on the board Milburn Pennybags, and then the jail guy is Jake the Jailbird. Okay. And the police officer and go to jail is... It's, I'll bet it's Irish, isn't it? Officer Edgar Mallory. I knew it. <laughs> really? You just guessed that, huh? Yeah. That's pretty funny. We're talking about Monopoly, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is not about anything else but Monopoly. No, and I was just remarking <laughs> to you, sir, how I've never seen one of our... This had more supplemental information than most shows that we research. Yeah, I, I can explain why. 
<laughs> because this was written, there was a whole suite of um, game articles written. Yeah. Like um, just how to play certain games. Sure. So it kind of came out in this mentality and uh, of this is the game and here's how we explain how to play it. And right. then this article's done. Whereas Monopoly, it's like, this is more like McDonald's or Twinkies or something yeah. like that. It's like a, a cultural cog. Yeah. I mean, there's so much extra junk history. And, I mean, you talk about the different versions. It's ridiculous. Milburn Penny, penny Banks? Yeah. And like I said, that was a post that he wasn't originally called that. This is, I think, Monopoly probably wanted to sell a little, little book or two. I'm sure they did. Because if one thing we've learned about uh, Parker Brothers and now Hasbro uh-huh. is they love selling different versions of this game. Yeah, they do. They like licensing it off. <laughs> a lot of money doing that. They like that. making some changes here or there and yeah. releasing a brand new game. But it's all still the same game. And all of it um, came from a left-wing Quaker intellectual at the turn of the last century, the fin de siècle. Yeah. It was, I think it was, I'm saying that right. Yeah, I, sure. Okay. I think it sounds right. Uh, and it's interesting to me that the game of Monopoly, which is all about capitalism and yes. bankrupting your neighbor, yeah, uh, was stolen. The game was stolen. From a leftist intellectual Quaker. It, in the original version of the game, it was to teach against monopolies and how they're bad. Right. So let's talk about this. Monopoly, actually, if you uh, trace it back to about the like the literal beginning of the 20th century, um, it's what's considered a folk game. There were a lot of people playing versions like this in cities all over the country. But again, they all shared some um, pretty common viewpoints. Uh, I guess you today you would kind of call them socialist. Um, but for the most part, they were... Um, followers of a guy named uh, Henry George. Yeah, Georgism. Yeah, he came up with this thing called Georgism, which was based on some other philosophies. But the idea sure. of it is, is that if you produce something through the through your own labor, your yeah. own work, you own that. That should not be taxed. Right. What should be taxed is things that everybody owns. If somebody's taking something that belongs to everybody, say a parcel of land, Yeah. Technically, the land belongs to everybody. Well, that was his notion, was that you shouldn't even be a landowner. Like, right. the whole concept of owning land to him was ridiculous. And that's based on this idea, the law of the commons, which yeah. is around for centuries, if not millennia. And then um, once people started taking land, he's like, okay, well, if you're going to own land, it belongs to everybody, so that should be taxed. Yeah. And then that tax will be given back to the community for the greater good. Yeah. So that's Georgism, and that was kind of the philosophy that formed the basis of Monopoly, what was originally called the Landlord's Game, which was created by a lady named Lizzie Maggie, M-A-G-Y. M-A-G-I-E. M-A-G-I-E. Yeah. Almost magpie, but without the P. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. And she basically... I think that was on her card. She, <laughs> right. In quote. Yeah. And she, uh, she came up with this, like you said, to kind of teach... Um, so you could go and be a rich landowner and bankrupt other people and exploit the poor who need your help, um, who need a decent place to stay. And you could see yourself like the evils of capitalism. But she actually came up with two sets of rules for the same game. One was where you got as rich as you could at the expense of everybody else. Yeah. The other 
was a oh, basically the community benefited. And you can kind of see that today in like yeah. these weird things like community chess. Like, why would I want to, you know, pay into this pot? I don't care about the community. I, it, it, like, now it's a bad thing. Yeah. In her original version, it was a good thing. Like, the community won. Right. And that was the basis of the whole thing. Yeah, which is really ironic. It is. <laughs> uh, yeah, like you said, she created two versions and she said, um, one of the quotes from her is, it is a practical demonstration of the present system of land grabbing with all its usual outcomes and consequences. So, it, you know, it was kind of to teach people lessons. Uh, and she had it stolen from her, basically. She did. Luckily, Lizzie Maggie was smart enough to patent this game. Uh, it became just kind of a trendy thing. Again, like if you were uh, into socialism at the time and you were on the East Coast, you probably hung out at a friend's house and... and um, played this game at some point in some incarnation or another. Yeah, it was really popular, like you said, like people made up some of their own rules, but it was if I mean if you look at the original landlord's game board, it looks a lot like the current Monopoly. I mean, similar at least. Yeah. And apparently a lot of the uh the rules that make the game a lot more enjoyable today came from uh Lizzie's Quaker friends. Like for example, yeah. um the original plots of land were up for auction, for right. for bid. Yeah, yeah. Quakers prefer silence, so they just put a fixed price on a piece of land, so there wouldn't yeah. be a loud, obnoxious bidding <laughs> right. war. Yeah. Um, they also um, instituted tokens, fun tokens, before they were just boring pawns. Yeah, like uh, household objects, which you know that's why the thimble is in there, and yep. originally the iron. Yeah, we'll get to those in a minute, but um. Ooh. I know. It's pretty exciting. Uh, and then, so this thing's being played, and uh, Lizzie Maggie holds the patent, but she's not exactly, like, um, cracking down on any kind of infringement, really. No. Well, she pitched it to Parker Brothers, and they said no. Yeah. So she just kind of went on doing her own thing. So there's another lady, actually, that figures into this, um, a lady named Ruth Hoskins, and she was one of the ones who caught on in the, like, Philadelphia, Atlantic City area with her Quaker friends. Uh-huh. Uh, two of them uh, in particular, Jesse and Eugene Rayford, uh, and they are the ones who changed some of the rules to make it look more like the Monopoly we know. Uh-huh. They taught it to a friend uh, named Todd, and Todd taught <laughs> it to his friend named Charles Darrow, and that's where the story takes a, a kind of a seedy turn. Well, actually, that's where the um, Parker Brothers' official version begins, ironically. Yeah, things turn seedy. If you go to their Parker website, Parker Brothers is like, "Hey, this is where our story begins." Yeah, the inventor of Monopoly, Charles Darrow. Right, so he was like a radiator salesman during the Depression. This is the '30s, right? Yeah, I mean, it was ironically again during the Depression. This game really caught hold. Well, I, supposedly that's what caught the Parker Brothers' attention was yeah. that this guy came to came to him came to them to sell him this game, which he had stolen. Yeah, apparently he didn't innovate it at all. He kind of just copied it and packaged it right. and said, hey, what do you think of this? And the Parker brothers said, we don't think too much of it. Like, how does the game end? We don't know what's going on here. So let's just, um, you just go your own way. So uh, Charles Darrow went off and started selling it at this uh, Wanamaker's department store in Philadelphia. Yeah, without patenting it. Right. Yeah. And um, 
the Parker brothers said, you know what? It's the depression. Can you believe it? We're not going to have any kind of economic woes like this for another 70, 80 years. (laughs) And this guy's selling these things like hotcakes. You know what, sir? We will buy your idea from you. And Charles Darrow apparently said, well, that's great. Yeah. (laughs) Give me the money first, and then I'll tell you the second part of the story. (laughs) Yeah. And they gave him a bag of money with a dollar sign on it, much like the ones that um, Rich Uncle Pennybags likes. Yeah. And uh, he said, okay, um, we also need to buy the patent off from this lady named Lizzie Maggie. Yeah, which they did. Um, The game was still stolen, I say even though that they eventually did pay her money. Yeah. Uh, but part of the deal was they said, um, they, gri- they agreed to buy her patent and said, you know what, we're going to, we'll sell a few of your other game ideas too. None of those ever went anywhere. And she was sort of <laughs> lost to history. Yeah. Except for people who do a little bit of digging. Uh, yeah. And we actually have a, a, a guy named Ralph to thank for doing that digging initially. We'll talk about him later. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, because he's the one who came up with the unofficial history and, like, really tracked it down. Boy, there's a lot of teases in this one so far. So um, the Parker Brothers now own the game, and uh, it becomes a huge hit virtually off the bat. In the 30s is when they bought it and started really printing it. Yeah, and the game is based on Atlantic City. Uh, Those are the properties, and that's because that was the area where it became popular. Right. But um, this excellent New York Times article you sent... Uh, what was the name of it? Monopoly Goes Corporate? Yeah, it was written by, uh, what's, the, what's the lady's name? Uh, Mary uh, Pillen. She is a Monopoly expert. There's a lot of those out there, I've she, learned. She Well, she wrote a lot of the articles you'll find. Oh, really? Yeah, she's good. Well, she pointed out that it's interesting that it mirrored sort of the uh, the cartography of the day in Atlantic City. Like, mm-hmm. Boardwalk was clearly like a rich area. Yeah. Uh, the Baltic and Mediterranean, the cheapest properties were uh, in African-American neighborhoods. Uh, there was a Reading Railroad uh, that transferred people between Philly and Atlantic City. Yeah. And little known fact for our friends in the gay community, New York Avenue was one of the earliest gay scenes in the country. Yeah. So buy that one up. And, <laughs> and support... Support the LBGT community. That's right. If you're playing Monopoly. Yeah. That's what I would do. And maybe just, you know, don't charge anybody when they land on it. Yeah. Just be like, this is the party place, everybody. That's right. Exactly. And Marvin Gardens apparently is misspelled. Yeah. The, uh, e instead of an I or I instead of an E. Yeah. On the board, it's an I. Right. And it's supposed to be an E. Yeah. There's a lot of Monopoly facts dropping all around us right now. I know. It's, it's raining thimbles. Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, and catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. 
I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have a, one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, now, when you're on the road, driving in your truck, why not learn a thing or two from Josh and Chuck? It's Stuff You Should Know. Uh, all right, so we were just talking about Atlantic City. Um, I guess it's we can go ahead and point out now that there are hundreds of versions of Monopoly out there now. One yeah. for your hometown, probably. Yeah. Uh, one for your favorite sports team. Yeah. Uh, I have personally my version is a Star Wars Monopoly. Nice. Uh, which is pretty fun. Nice. Um, yeah. The I, I guess Hasbro's like, you got some money. Sure, you can license this. Yeah, make Simpsons. your own Monopoly game. Go ahead. There's a Simpsons Monopoly. Mm-hmm. I haven't played it though. And not in addition to the um, licensed versions that you can find like everywhere. Yeah, they also have like official versions too. Like there's a U.S. version. Yeah, there's a U.K. version. There's um a there's a new version that's called Monopoly Here and Now. What does that even mean? Super corporate. Like oh, is the, this the corporate one? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's uh, it's. Like everything is multiplied by, I think a thousand. So the dollar the one, amounts are way higher. Is this the one where they replaced the, uh, the railroads are replaced by airports? Yeah, but is this, the, is this the one where they replaced cor- corporations for all the uh, properties? Though, yes, like McDonald's right. and Sony and yeah. God, who would want to play that? Uh, some people do. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not a purist because I have the Star Wars version, but I just it's no fun to me to play as Paramount Pictures and right. to buy the McDonald's property. Yeah. No, that's just me. Um, so there are a bunch of different versions, but the one we're going to talk about, we'll just talk about the the normal version with the 2008 rules. Yeah, and there's actually coming soon, um, later this year, There, you can go online at My Monopoly and you can design your own board. Is that right? And do like your own neighborhood. Wow. And then they will make it for you. And I think it's like 150 bucks or something. Wow, money bags. You can get, oh, I'm not going to do it. You can do the Eastlake Monopoly. I was, no, I was talking to whoever went and got it. Oh, sure. Yeah, Rich, uh, Uncle Rich, Penny Bags. <laughs> That's what you should have said. Rich Uncle Penny Bags. <laughs> penny Bags just sounds not, not that wealthy. Well, actually. Like, he, I have a bag of pennies on me right now. He uh, Forbes has their silly fictional 15 list of the fictional characters' uh, wealth. And he, um, in 2013, was number 13. Jeez, his uh, stars declined to him, huh? Guess who the first, the richest fictional character is? The Incredible Hulk. No, he was not rich. Scrooge McDuck. Oh, yeah, well, dude, he had that gold vault. Apparently, $65 billion. Uh, number two was Smaug. 
which I thought was kind of silly. Smaug from like uh, Lord of the Rings. It's a dragon. I think had like was sitting oh, on a bunch okay. of gold. Gotcha. Uh, Carlisle Cullen number three. Tony Stark four. Charles Foster Kane number five. Who is number three? Carlisle Cullen from uh, Twilight. Who's that? He was the dad, vampire dad of oh, okay. the vampire family. Um, and he's been alive forever, so I guess he just keeps accumulating wealth. Yeah. Uh, Bruce Wayne, Richie Rich, Christian Grey. Richie Rich, I forgot about him. He's number seven. He had a robot maid and a crazy, like, uh, weird scientist friend, didn't he? Uh, sure. <laughs> like a Richie Rich robot of himself? Mm. I think he had that too, but no, his maid was a robot, wasn't it? That was the Jetsons. No, he had a robot uh, maid too. I, no. okay. yeah. uh, I thought Monty Burns at number 10 was pretty good. Oh, yeah, that's good. Although, I would guess Mr. Monopoly would be wealthier than Monty Burns, but I Yeah, guess 13. Huh. And they put it out each year, and it's dumb. Can we just admit that? <laughs> I was thrilled by it. Okay. We just spent three minutes on it. Yeah, well, that's true. Okay, so Chuckers, yeah. you want to talk about the, the rules of the game? Again, 2008 rules, if you are a Monopoly purist, and, like, I'm sorry. That's just what we're going with. Yeah, well, let's talk about the game board itself, just so. If you haven't played it, uh, I'm surprised, because I think, like, a billion people have played the game. Mm -hmm. um, but if you haven't, when you get your Monopoly game, you're going to open it up, and you're going to have a board with all these different properties and a square. Uh, you have two dice, uh, 12, they call them tokens. That's not the um, right amount either, is it? No, there's eight. Yeah. I don't understand where they got 12 from unless they're counting ones that maybe were retired or something like that. But when you open there's the box, there's 12, only though. eight there. Yeah. There's a, can we go over them? Sure. There's a wheelbarrow, a Scotty dog. Yeah. A top hat. A cat, which replaced the iron in 2013. Yeah. There was a big... Um, Big to do because Parker Brothers or Hasbro is like we haven't made uh, uh, a lot of money off of this for a couple months, so let's just do something. Well, they let people vote at least, which is kind of cool, right? But it was also, did you see the other ones that they were voting for? It yeah, was like a robot, like yeah, the, Richie Rich's made a guitar, a guitar. Yeah, that didn't, they didn't make the cut though. No, they got voted out, and the cat got voted in. Yeah, but the, the iron got booted. Yeah, it only got eight percent of the vote. Uh, there's the classic shoe, of course. Or boot. Which is uh, modeled after a 1930s working shoe. Mm. And I think they've kept it the same. Like yeah, that's did. one of the original ones. The The Scotty dog was not one of the originals. It came in the 50s. Yeah, and I think that was supposed to be the uh, companion of uh, Milburn Money Penny. Is Rich. that right? <laughs> penny bags. Penny bags? It's I know. not. It should be cash bags. Fat stacks. <laughs> Fat stacks bag. <laughs> Uh, there was a cannon, which has since been retired. Yeah. And they apparently, thought it was too militaristic? Well, it was the cannon and the... Um, Battleship? Yeah, they were from a failed game called Conflict, and they were like, well, we got all these pieces. So oh, yeah. Let's just throw them in Monopoly for now. Right. It's pretty smart. But they phased the cannon out because it was just too overtly violent? Um, it just says with any, without any fanfare or vote or campaign, so probably, yeah, that'd be my guess. If it's hush-hush... Yeah. It's probably because of violence. There's a conspiracy afoot. Uh, there's the race car. Yeah. It's every little kid's favorite. Which apparently had a number three on the side for a little while. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Dale Earnhardt. I guess so. <laughs> uh, her purse has been retired. Yeah. Uh, the rocking horse was retired. Yep. The lantern was retired. 
Oh yeah. I'm doing my best Ben Bowling impression. Did you do uh did you get wheelbarrow in there yet? I think I no. Yes, I did. It was the first one I said. Did we yeah. say top hat? Yeah. That was always my favorite actually. I, I don't remember what my favorite was. It fit on my pinky and I used to draw faces on oh, my pinky. Yeah. <laughs> uh the horse and rider, which is retired, which I didn't know. That's one of the best pieces to me. What you didn't know it was retired? No. Yeah. It was kinda sad. Yeah. Uh, and now they're, uh, and the sack of money was retired as well. The sack of money and a purse. Those are a little similar. Yeah. I'm just, the cat. Come on. Yeah. Cat people. There's I'm sure they were like, yeah, that's exactly right. I guarantee that's why they, they got cat voted in. And I am a cat person, you know? And even you think it's stupid. Exactly. So those are the tokens. Some of those tokens that we mentioned you're going to find in the 2008 set. Yeah, and that is your piece. That is what represents you in the game. Yes. Again, for the three people who have never played Monopoly. <laughs> right. Yeah, because supposedly, um, uh, at least as far as Hasbro calculates, over one billion people have played Monopoly. And frankly, I'm surprised it's that low. It sounds like an old number. Yeah. Um, okay, so you've got the box open. you got yep. the board. you got two dice. you got the tokens. 32 houses. Yeah. And 12 hotels. Yeah. Uh, 16 chance cards, 16 community chess cards. Yeah. A title deed card for each property. It's got the information on it, like how much it costs to purchase. Sure. How much rent is, depending on how many houses or hotels you have on it. Yeah, what the mortgage value is worth. That's right. Um, and then you've got your mo- your play money, your Monopoly money. Which, yeah. man. I think that's where it grabs kids because, and they even pointed out in this article, that's um, it's kind of the first time a lot of kids have money to play with. Yeah, especially the uh, the $500 bill ones. Oh, man, that gold bill. Oh, I always thought it was orange. Is it gold? Uh, Yeah. Okay. It's kind of One's gold. definitely goldenrod, like yellow. Well, but I uh, remember the 500 it was, yeah, I guess gold is the way to go. Yeah. Uh, see, I was a cash hoarder, which is no way to win at Monopoly. No. I thought well, it was... Can't save? No, I just thought that just figures for, for me, though. Like You got to spend money to make money. Yeah, I was like, look at all this cash right. <laughs> that I will soon be paying to everyone else. You just keep wandering off from the table and <laughs> yeah. try to buy stuff with it? <laughs> Did not work. So, Chuck, you've got the board laid out. And if you count them, if you're that kind of person, yeah. you're going to find that there's 40 squares. That's right. Uh, I believe 22 of which... Are um, no twenty eight of which can be purchased. Yeah, twenty two are properties. Uh, you've got your your electric company and waterworks. Yeah, suckers bet. And then you got the four railroads. Got your four railroads. Yeah, so that's twenty eight. That's right. There are others that you can't buy. So, for example, there's a luxury tax square. Yeah, you got to pay what a hundred dollars when you land on that. I believe so. Just right out of just right out of your pocket. There's an income tax square. Yeah, no good. There's uh, the go square, which is where you start. That's and right. then when you come back around, you collect $200, which is in Monopoly called your salary. That's right. I never knew that. I didn't either. And there's a lot of rules in here. Uh, and I guess it's a good time to point out, Monopoly is one of those games where house rules are highly encouraged mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of the fun of the game. And in fact, to make more money, Monopoly this year uh, had are incorporating the top house rules <laughs> as voted on by fans as official rules for in, this one version. In a $70 hardback book. <laughs> I don't see why a lot of people were incensed. They were like, "We no one plays by the real rules anyway, yeah. so why bother packaging it and selling it? Right. 
and they went, I think you just said the word sell. <laughs> Did someone say sell? <laughs> Therein lies the answer. Uh, so you've got, oh, there's, and so there's 40 squares, but there's actually 41 places you can go to on the board because what? jail is divided into two squares. That's right. You got the jail with the jailbird, what's his name? Uh, I can't remember. Jailbird. Johnny Jake. Jailbird or something? <laughs> Jake the Jailbird. Right, okay. Which is where Jake the Jailbird is, and then you've got the lower part of it. Um, it's just visiting. Yeah, if you want to visit Jake, give him a bunt cake with the nail file in it. <laughs> right. It'd be very old school. Or a Monopoly set with um, maybe a map with an escape route embedded in it. Hey, that sounds familiar. Yeah, POWs in World War II were given such Monopoly sets. True. Which is strange to me. It's like, were the Nazis allowing Monopoly sets to be delivered to POWs? Is that what I'm seeing here? Yeah. Maybe it's the Burmese. No, I mean, you've seen the, uh, like, the Great Escape on those, those the war uh, prison camps in World War II. It seemed like a lot of them, they let them, like, garden, and they were kind of chummy with them. You saw Hogan's Heroes. <laughs> I saw Hogan's Heroes. I didn't put a lot of stock into it. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I just figured. They played soccer. Maybe the Japanese or the Burmese or the um, the Italians, I could see, like, saying, like, yeah, hey, bring some Monopoly, and who cares? But the Nazis, I would think, would... I just don't see that. Yeah. I'm not saying it was uh, uh, a walk in the park, but I think from the depiction and, uh, like like I said, like the Great Escape, it's not like Vietnam prison camp. Oh, yeah. You know? Like they weren't playing soccer or, mono- <laughs> or Monopoly. Right. They were playing Sur- Survive Another Day, that game. Yeah. Um, and I'm not making light of that, by the way. Oh, I didn't think you were. And I'm basing everything on war movies, so (laughs) I'm probably wrong anyway. I've seen Uncommon Valor. (laughs) That was a good movie. That was a great movie. It doesn't age well, though. Really? No. Remember that menu with the gun silhouettes on it? Oh, yeah. And when you're 12, you're (laughs) like, oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, I would buy that one and that one. Yeah. Um, All right, so where were we? We were talking about um, the board itself. Yes. And the different squares. Yes, there are the, the... the cards that you can draw as well, community chest and chance mm-hmm. squares. When you land on these, you draw a card from one of those two piles, and there are various things in there, like you won a fashion modeling contest. Oh, yeah. You get $10. Oh, isn't there a dog show one in there, too? I think there's probably a dog show. Yeah. Uh, and there's also, you know, you have street repairs or... Um, those uh, are big time. General repairs, and that's based on your properties that you own that's right they a can percentage they can uh can hit up. you pretty hard yeah yeah just but, like in real life that's right you know um and that's funny because the uh monopoly what was her name lizzie maggie yeah in an interview um she gave with some leftist magazine at the time um she said she basically called the thing the game of life yeah, that was already taken out. <laughs> I don't know, was it? Yeah, that was that's around since the like mid eighteen hundreds. Oh, okay. That's old, old. I thought she was being prescient. No, she was being uh, glib. She was she was making a pop culture reference for the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But did you know? Apparently, there used to be a square on the Game of Life board for suicide. Really? Yeah, it was a way that you could go. I never really played that. I think I played it a couple of times. I never did either. I always thought it was kind of. Like you get the whole family in the car, and it's like what, whatever. Yeah, we we did. Um, I mean, we we weren't the biggest game players as families, but we did Monopoly some, and uh, Yahtzee was a big one. Yahtzee was great. That I still enjoy today. I love Yahtzee. Sure. Yeah. 
we also played this game called Bull, and it was a, like a stock trading game. Oh yeah, with cards, and it's just now occurring to me that all these games are just teaching you about life. Yeah, it's like real Monopoly is nothing but real estate. Uh, the game of life is everything. Right. This game Bull was about the stock market. Yeah. Sorry was about um, sarcastic. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Because you had to say it like a jerk. Right. Uh, Candyland, we know what that's all about. Yeah. Drugs, right? Probably. <laughs> Shoots and ladders taught you to stay away from snakes. Yeah. Operation taught you how to be a doctor. Sort of. Oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> that's where I got my MD. And then, of course, uh, Battleship taught you how to be a uh, warmonger. That's right. So did Risk. And take great pride. Risk in. taught you to be the Antichrist. Yeah, Risk, we should do... There is an article on Risk. I saw. I looked it over. It didn't seem as, as interesting as this one, though. Yeah, I don't know if the history is as interesting, for I, sure. And I mean, isn't that what it, what's interesting about any game? The history of it? Yeah, I think so. So, um, let's talk about the rules, dude. Okay. Uh, let's start at the beginning. We'll start at Go. Go is where you start, and that's where you, like you said, you collect the 200 every time you land on it or pass it. Sometimes yeah. house rules, uh, you get 400 for actually landing on it. Oh, yeah. And only 200 for passing it. We never played oh, that, that way. Oh, that makes sense. That's a good, good but, rule. But um, free parking is where we had house rules. Um, that is a space on the corner of the board where you supposedly, per the official rules, don't do anything. Yeah, there's nothing... It's just a space. But what we did was we donated all the collected taxes and uh, fees and put it under free parking. And if you landed on that, that was like a lottery win. Oh, yeah. And a lot of people play that way. I think I've heard of that one before. I liked it because it allowed you more money, which is my favorite thing. (laughs) Cash. It's a lotto. Yeah, exactly. Uh, We got ahead of ourselves. Let's just start at the real beginning. Okay. So uh, everybody sits down at the table. Yeah, maybe somebody. <laughs> yeah, somebody gets a drink. Uh, maybe you have to wait because somebody has to go to the bathroom. So you're all sitting there quietly, and then when everybody's finally at the table, <laughs> yeah, you guys select a banker. Uh huh. And the banker distributes the monopoly money: fifteen hundred dollars to each player, two five hundreds, two one hundreds, two fifties, six twenties, and five tens, five fives, and five ones. That's 1500. right. Fifteen hundred dollars. And the goal of the game that we are getting to here at thirty minutes in is to. <laughs> bankrupt all of your family and friends. That's the whole point. Pretty much. Um, some people put a time limit because it, this game can go on forever, um, and other people say, no, it's got you got to finish it by bankrupting everyone or until Everybody. the last person is like, I give, geez, I've got $8. I hate this game. Yeah, that's usually me. Right. And Emily's usually has her foot on my throat. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we play two-person Monopoly, which is just not fun. Yeah, because you know one of you is going to lose. No, that's not why. It's just it's a game that's more fun with more people. I think. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. Um, so okay, so everybody's got fifteen hundred bucks. You roll the dice to see uh, who goes first. Whoever rolls the highest goes first. Classic move. Then you roll both die and you start moving from the go square and you go clockwise around the board. Yeah. And when you land on an, a property, this I didn't know. Yeah. Which me- is a kind of a basic rule, I guess, but. I never played it this way. When you land on a property, yeah. you have the option to buy it. I knew that part. Yeah. But if you decline to buy it, then the uh, then the property goes up for auction. I've never, not only have I never played it that way, I've never heard of anyone playing it that okay, way. Okay, so it's not just me. Not just you. All right. So uh, I guess uh, the during an auction, mm-hmm. not only the person, not only everybody else, but the banker and the person who declined to buy it uh, can bid on it. 
Which didn't make sense unless you're trying to get it for lower. Cause yeah. Can't you start the bidding at wherever? Yes, the, you can start the bidding anywhere you want. So you this, could conceivably like get it for lower. And if you're playing against somebody who declines to buy something and then starts bidding on it at a lower price, keep an eye on that person because that's a sharp. <laughs> yeah, they're out to win. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I hate that rule because to me it's just like what's the point in rolling and landing on something? I guess right of first refusal, but yeah, I don't know. I don't like it. No, and plus the Quakers were like, we specifically put a price on these things right. so there wouldn't be a lot of yelling. Yeah. We don't like yelling. Uh, they had a, another game to follow called uh, the Quiet Roof Raising Ceremony. <laughs> <laughs> Those are not Quakers. It was fun. That was the Amish. They're different. Oh, don't you think Quakers raise some roofs? Yeah, they yeah. do. <laughs> Ain't no party like a Quaker party. That's right. Uh, all right, so let's say you buy all of the properties that, you know, they're, they're divided into different colors, like there's three green, or, you know, green ones, orange ones, blue ones, right. light blue. Um, if you buy all of the properties that are tied together by a single color, then you have what's called a monopoly. And that means you can then charge double rent, although we never do that. We just keep it single rent, and you now have the option to buy houses. Mm-hmm. And then once you have enough houses, I think three, you can then... Uh, by a hotel. Right. And that's called improvements. You're improving your land. Supposedly. And once you start to do improvements, um, things change a little bit. Not only can you start making more money, but it's actually harder to uh, mortgage your properties if you are if you find yourself in debt. Right. Because this is this is how crazy complicated it is. Like I don't think I was ever paying that much attention to Monopoly that I, I ever mortgaged a piece of land. Oh, really? I think it's like it started to get into debt or whatever. I was just like, oh, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. Um, but apparently, so if you find yourself indebted and let's say you have a monopoly and um, you want to mortgage, you can mortgage just one of the spots, right? Yes. But to do so, let's say you have a hotel um, on the that piece of land that you're mortgaging, you first have to sell the hotel back to the bank at half price. Yeah. And then you can mortgage the land. You're still, I think, are you collecting rent on that land or does it no. go right to the bank? No, that's where um, you just turn the card over and it's just, you still technically own it. Right. But you can't collect any rents on it. But you can collect rent and everything on the other two pieces of property or the other one, depending on which one you own. I don't know, really? No, you can't. I looked it up. So that doesn't bust up the monopoly? No, it doesn't. Okay. So you still own the monopoly. Gotcha. It's just that that one is mortgaged. And then to get it back, you have to pay the bank the mortgage plus 10%. Right. And this is where you can get silly with your house rules if you want. Yeah. You know, like as far as mortgaging and stuff like that. Because supposedly it's a rule, too, where you can't. Um, the only thing that is not allowed is a personal loan. Right. And uh, I did all kinds of personal loaning because I was Mr. Cash. <laughs> <laughs> what were your uh, your interest rates? I don't remember. Did you break any usury laws? No. I was a kid, so it was, it was probably just like... Just pay me back whenever. 10% or something. <laughs> I got you. I'm not the right... I'm not enough of a... You're not the shark. Kaplan, no. You're I'm, not I, the one who like declines to buy something so you can bid on no. it at a lower price. I'm playing Candyland. I loved Candyland. Actually, I never played that. It was a great game. Was it? Because of the art. Was so, it crazy? It was beautiful stuff. And then nowadays you look at the Candyland board and you're like, poor kids. Yeah. They don't know what they were missing. I just got a ticket to ride game that I haven't played yet. Have you heard of that one? No. It was a German game that's like one game of the year. It's a train uh, train game. Like you establish train routes between cities. Uh-huh. Um, but it's supposedly like 
it sounds like really that's fun but it's supposedly yeah. great i just bled a tear did you at the thought of it <laughs> yeah it does sound pretty bad yeah but no it's it it's it won game of the year well hey those germans and watch people ticket to ride enthusiasts will be like dude it's the best ever oh i'm sure we're gonna hear no, i've heard like german game night is like a thing now yeah i think they're a little more heady is that uh, what it is i think so this seems like i read over the rules the other night uh just so i would know what to do and uh because you got to like the purchaser of the game has to be the game explainer as well right does you have to listen to craft work while you play it yeah (laughs) well you don't have to but it helps house rules yeah so um I, I guess we oh and we said you you can do anything but give personal loans right that's what the official rules state so like you can I can buy from you on the side or something like that or you can hold something up for auction whatever anybody's doing yeah and we always played where you had to do that when it was your turn that makes sense and that that would take your turn as well right yeah um but again the whole point is is to be the person who owns the most stuff. Yeah. So that you can bankrupt all of your family and friends. That's right. And, I mean, those are the rules, but there's actually strategy to it. And people pay a lot of attention to this. You know there's a Monopoly World Championship roughly yeah. every four years, although it's been – the last one was in 2009. Yeah. So we're due. And an American uh, lawyer won, right, in 2009? No, I think it was a Swede or a Norwegian oh, man. Okay. Maybe he was the uh, North American. That's what he was. The North American champ. Yeah, and he right. represented the U.S. in the world championships. It sounds so silly. Weird. Yeah. Huh. Well, he uh, he used the iron. The, the piece that was the retired, Swede? yeah. Yeah, I think the American used the thimble. Gotcha. Jerry, Jerry just more. laughed. She was like, really? That's a, that's a fact that people need? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're trying to really appeal to the purists here, too. We that's want right. everybody to be engaged. Yeah. Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hormozzi, Layla Hormozzi, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings from the trenches. We share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people. And we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. 
So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, now when you're on the road, driving in your truck, why not learn a thing or two from Josh and Chuck? It's Stuff You Should Know. Okay, Chugger, so again, the point, yeah. bankrupt everybody. Bankrupt everybody. But there's, like, techniques that you can use to more efficiently bankrupt people. Like, the the overall, the best strategy, the basic strategy, is to buy everything, every chance you have. Yeah, I mean, I, I looked up, there's a lot of different people's uh, strategies and opinions online. Um, I did find this one from a guy, and that was his strategy, is buy everything. It doesn't matter what it is. Right. Even... The sucker's bet, the electric company and the waterworks. Yeah, which I don't pay off, really. He said buy it all and uh, and never have more than $100 in cash is his rule. Wow. He says the number one people mis- uh, mistake people make is hoarding cash like I did. <laughs> yeah, you're making the number one mistake. That's right. Uh, and he says that um, buy everything and do whatever it takes to get a monopoly, even a bad one. Like he will trade to get a bad monopoly and give someone a good monopoly even, as mm-hmm. long as he gets a, the monopoly. Oh, gotcha. And he says, it's fine, because then, you know, you two will probably take out everyone else. Uh, the point is just to get a monopoly and improve it as fast as you can. So supposedly, though, um, a general rule of thumb among, like, hardcore monopoly players is that while you're improving your monopoly, your properties, yeah, by adding houses or whatever, you want to stop at three houses. Yes. Because the jump from... The third house to the hotel yeah. is financially, it doesn't pay off usually. It's over-improvement. Yeah. Just like in your home. Like, don't build that $80,000 kitchen because you're not going to get your money back on that. Right. So three three houses. This guy doesn't subscribe to that. He buys everything. And it, puts hotels on it? Yeah. He says as, first as, he get, as soon as he gets his first monopoly, mm-hmm. he mortgages everything else to get cash back. Right. And then uses that cash to improve. Wow which I thought was a little risky. Yeah. A couple of bad rolls. I mean, it's a game of strategy, but at the end of the day, you're rolling dice. And so it is very much a game of chance. I'll bet that guy feels like he's on the back of a Pegasus, though, the whole game. Like, he's just <laughs> thrilled. He claims he's to have beaten. Out there on the edge. <laughs> he claims to have won a game in 12 minutes one time, which I thought was tooting his own horn a bit. Yeah, sure. Um, but real regular strategy, you're right. They say three houses is the max you should go. Um, and then there's also some that you should avoid, even though they seem like very tempting. We already said the uh, electric company and the water company, the utilities. Yeah. They um, The Just most you can get for rent from landing on them is 10 times the roll of the dice, which is 120 bucks. But that's, that also that's a means max roll. it could be as low as twenty dollars. Yeah. So, I mean, this guy would probably say, "Well, hey, it was worth it. Like, I, I still own them, and I'm still making money if somebody lands on them." But a lot of again, the monopoly purists say, "Just stay away from them." Yeah. And you also may want to stay away from the most expensive ones: Boardwalk and Park Place. Yeah, there there are only two of them, and um, they just don't get landed on very much. Yeah, so think about it. Right out of the gate, when you're thinking of probabilities, um, the fact that there's two of these properties yeah. rather than three means that you are the, another player is less likely to land on your monopoly because there's three or two instead of three. So that's one problem. Yeah. The other problem is placement, where they are. They're right after um, go, 
Yeah, right before. Right before go. Yeah, so it's at the end of the board, essentially. No, I'm sorry. They're right before jail? No, they're right before go. They're right before go. Okay, so that means that most most players are going to, well, they're going to pass them for sure whenever they hit that. Um, go directly to go. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so that means that your, your monopoly is going to be passed over. The likelihood of making your money back, recouping it, especially if they're improved to the hilt, yeah. like a really fancy hotel. Sure. Means that it's a lot of money. Yeah, you you've probably sunk a lot of money unwisely into those. You want to go for some other ones? Yeah, supposedly, and there are people that have done. Uh, there was this one guy. If you really want to get into Monopoly, uh-huh. this dude, I don't even know his name, but just look up probabilities in the game of Monopoly. And uh, Scientific American in the mid '90s did an article that talked about probabilities of landing on different spaces. Right. But they excluded. Um, community chest and chance and being sent to jail. So this guy said, I took all of that and included everything. Mm-hmm. And he has uh, statistical charts, uh, long-term probabilities for ending up on each square, expected income per opponent roll, yeah. uh, average income per roll, expected number of opponent roll to recoup incremental costs, <laughs> uh, to recoup mortgages. So it's uh, The name of his website, by the way, is monopolywasfun.com. <laughs> It totally should be. Um, but um, if you just want to do some basic probabilities, the orange properties are landed on more than anyone else. Yes, and why, Chuck? Uh, because they are after jail. Yeah, so, six, eight, and nine spaces after jail. Yeah, so if you get sent to jail, which is going to happen at some point, mm-hmm. and we actually we didn't talk about jail, we'll talk about that. Okay. Um, then you, uh, yeah, chances are you're going to hit one of those orange squares on your way out of jail. Yeah, because you're rolling with two dice, so you're much more likely to roll like a six, eight, or a nine than you are like a two or a three or a one. Yeah. It's not even possible to roll a one. Try it. You can't. <laughs> you can't unless you eat one of the dice. <laughs> <laughs> and in which case, unless it's a house rule, yeah. everybody's going to yell at you and have to wait around until you poop it out to keep playing. Actually, our rule was you had to roll the child in. The what? The child who ate the dice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just see <laughs> Shake him up. Yeah. Yep. Uh, all right. So jail um, is on the corner of uh, the board, and you can – there are a few different ways you can go there. Uh, you can draw a go-to-jail card. Right. Uh, you can throw three doubles in a row and go to jail. Yeah. Which I never understood because that's a good thing. I, I guess, but it's also the sign of the devil, so that's why you have to go to jail for a little while to be cleansed. That's right. Or there is a square marked go to jail, and you can land on that and go to jail. Uh, you can also get out in three ways. Uh, you can have that get-out-of-jail-free card. If you draw that, you can hold on to it. We could sell it, although I think that's a house rule. Mm-hmm. You could sell it to a friend or enemy. Uh, if- <laughs> whoever, whoever had the most cash, right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, and then you basically – the other way is to roll – to either pay your way out for with 50 bucks mm-hmm. or to roll your way out. And the way we played it was each – turn you had one chance to roll your way out of jail so you by rolling doubles rolling doubles right yeah um and then if you under official rules if you don't roll doubles for three consecutive turns like you get three consecutive chances to yeah, roll yeah. doubles and if you don't on any of those turns yeah then you have to pay 50 bucks to get out of jail uh we just played where you just got out and you didn't have to pay uh, well then you guys weren't following the rules that's Told you the house rules, the Bryant so, house rules. So there's actually a strategy to jail. Yeah. Um, if you go to jail early on in the game, 
you want to pay your 50 bucks to get out immediately. Yeah. Just pay the 50 bucks because then you can keep going around the board and there's more stuff available to buy. Yeah. But later in the game, you want to just kind of hang out in jail. Yeah, like Josh has bought all the orange spaces. Yeah. And you've got hotels on each one. Yeah. So I'm thinking that might be good to sit in jail for a few rounds. Yeah, because you can still collect rent on your properties, but the fact that you're in jail keeps you off of my properties. Yeah, and all, another Bryant rule we played where when you were in jail, you could not collect any rents. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense, but yeah. according to official rules, that's right. you just make as much money as you want there. And apparently in jail, you can officially, you can also buy and sell properties and, yeah. and improve your, uh, and collect rent and build hotels and houses, which I thought, I don't know, if you're in jail, you can lose that right. It seems like it. In real jail, that's the way it is. No, it's not. You can own a house and be in jail. Uh, I guess that's true. And technically, you could probably charge rent to someone. You could sublet it, like, I'm going to be gone for three to six. No, it's true, but what happens when the dishwasher breaks? Try to get let out of jail to go fix it. <laughs> They're not going to let you do that. That's very funny. But it's true, too. Uh, probability experts also say you get a good return on buying all of the railroads because they're pretty cheap. Uh, there's one on each side. Mm-hmm. And once you have each, uh, once you own all of them, um, they're $200 in rent. So that's not too bad. Not too shabby. No. But to me, a monopoly is, the reason monopolies are valuable is because they're in a row, whereas the railroads are spaced out. Right. Uh, and our friend, the strategist, who thinks he uh, invented the game, says, but what you have to remember is none of these strategies matter because you're playing, it's a game of people and personalities. So he said you got to sit back and watch the different personalities emerge and then use manipulate that. Gotcha. Like the cash hoarder versus the shark. And uh, right. he's like, you're really playing against people. Man, that's interesting. I thought so. Okay. So let's talk uh, about another friend, an economist friend. <laughs> His name is uh, Ralph Ansbach. Yes. And he, uh, back in the 70s, had a game called Anti-Monopoly. Yeah, he was an econ professor at San Francisco State. That's right. And, um, like, made his own real game. Like, he didn't just, like, draw it up on paper. Like, he started a little small business. Right. And manufactured it. Apparently sold about 200,000 copies of it, like, right out of the gate. Yeah. Like, it just hit a nerve. Again, it was called Anti-Monopoly, and the whole point of it was to break up monopolies rather than build monopolies. Yeah, the beginning of the game is essentially the end of a regular game. Like, everyone starts off with monopolies, mm-hmm. uh, and instead of real estate and utilities, um, an anti-monopoly, they had uh, their individual businesses that have been brought under a single ownership, and you take the role of federal caseworker and bring <laughs> indictments against monopolized businesses. That's right. In order to turn return the board to a free market system. You have to wear sensible shoes. <laughs> It sounds awesome. Yeah, well, and he came up with this because he was trying to apparently explain to his son what was wrong and bad about monopolies. Right. And I suspect capitalism to a certain extent. And he came up with this game instead. Like I said, sold a substantial amount, 200,000 copies of a game, especially back in the 70s. That was pretty good. As a startup? Yeah. You know? And it caught Parker Brothers' attention enough that they sent him a cease and desist letter. Took him to court, 
got a court order for him to hand over his like 37,000 copies that he had in his warehouse. And um, they, Parker Brothers went and unceremoniously buried them in a landfill in Minnesota. Yeah. So um, uh, Ralph didn't cotton to this very much. He didn't like that. He doesn't like to be pushed around, I, I get the impression. No, I mean, a guy who makes anti-monopoly is not going to cave in to right. the courts initially. And he did so like very much at his own financial detriment. He uh, had a very expensive team of lawyers at first um, and spent quite a bit of money fighting Parker Brothers for the right to use anti-monopoly. And um, it wasn't really going anywhere, and he was losing a lot of money. So he started to do legwork himself, found a, a lawyer friend um, who worked on the cheap for him, and that's when things started taking off. Yeah, I mean, he basically uncovered the the lie that it was invented by Charles Darrow. Yeah. He found out that the game was essentially in the public domain, uh, or should have been, and... Um, Went all the way to the Supreme Court and won. Yeah, he won at the Supreme Court. This econ professor who came up with a game called Anti-Monopoly won in the Supreme Court, won the right to name his game Anti-Monopoly. Yeah, I mean, he, he deposed the uh, the two Quakers that were friends of Hoskins. They were old at that point. They took the stand. Mm-hmm. Um, he deposed the CEO of Parker Brothers, mm-hmm. and he took the stand and it had to admit under oath, like, yeah, we did kind of steal it. Nice. The idea from that lady, um, after all. And so, uh, as Ralph says, the um, the whole point to him was for this true story, the true origins of Monopoly and how it came about, the whole point of it originally yeah. could still be told openly. And that what he said um, couldn't be bought at any price, in his opinion. That's right. So way to go, Ralph. Yeah, he wrote a book uh, awkwardly titled The Billion Dollar Monopoly and swindle, Colin. During a David and Goliath battle, anti-monopoly uncovers the secret history of monopoly. <laughs> That's a little clunky. A little clunky. But it's still around. Um, in 1984, there was a new version called Anti-Monopoly 2 uh, where you could actually be a monopolist or a competitor. So you got to choose, which I thought was interesting. And uh, if you chose the competitor... You charge lower rents, and you can improve property at any time. But if you're a monopolist, you have to own at least two properties uh, before in a group before building houses and uh, charge a lot higher rent. So I think you're like playing against the two systems within the same game. That's really interesting. Yeah, I'm gonna I might grab one of these and see what it's like. Yeah, maybe tell everybody it's German. <laughs> uh, you got anything else? I got nothing else. I do the longest monopoly game of all time. 70 days. I played a game of Risk that seemed like it lasted that long once. It may have. It, it didn't last that long, but it lasted a weekend. Oh, okay. Um, and Monopoly, I don't have the patience for that. I'll just give up. I'll take my cash, fake cash and go home. <laughs> yeah. You're hoard of it? Yeah. You're like, oh, I just saved all this money. That's right, and I own the utilities. <laughs> Uh, If you want to learn more about Monopoly, including how to play, if you don't like house rules, but you also don't feel like looking at the official rule book, you can just go on to How Stuff Works and check out the rules that is in this article. Just type Monopoly in the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And since I said search bar, it's time for uh, Chuck. Facebook questions. 
so people, this is what we do sometimes when we don't have a listener mail prepared. We will go on Facebook, ask for questions, and then over the course of a couple of episodes, we will read those out in rapid fire, uh, like fashion. We don't do anything in rapid fire fashion. <laughs> I couldn't even explain rapid fire fashion in rapid fire no. fashion. All right, so I'm going to start this off with uh, Louise Benjamin says, with as many shows as you've recorded, how many would you like to go back and redo? Um, just a small handful, I would say, mm-hmm. that I was literally kind of like, oh, I'm really disappointed with that. Yeah. You're a little harder on us than I am, though. What's weird is, like, any time I do say, like, that was terrible, you're like, yeah, it wasn't bad, and then I'll go back and listen to it and be like, it was way better than I thought. That's what Jerry says when you leave the room. She says, they're always better than he thinks. Oh, really? I didn't realize Jerry talked about me when I wasn't here. <laughs> or spoke at all when I wasn't around. <laughs> she was not allowed. All right, you got one? I do. Um, let's see. Do either of us have a preference as to what type of vacuum cleaner you use? That's from Taylor Jean Warner. With the most pedestrian question anyone's ever asked. Uh, not if you were into vacuuming, my friend. Okay. Very important. I love vacuuming. I have a Electrolux canister vacuum. Oh, really? I call it Luxy, and Emily's not allowed to operate it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Yumi and I have a Dyson, one of the little, oh, yeah. not the big one, Yeah. one of the smaller ones. Yeah. With the yellow ball. Uh, up, just a regular upright back. Yeah. Yeah, I got on the canister thing years ago. I love them. Yeah. I don't know why. It, this thing, Chuck, like, you know, they, they're like, it never loses suction. It's very powerful yeah. or whatever. I accidentally rolled over the cord to charge my phone. It sucked the rubber off of the cord. Wow. Yeah. I Man, had to put electrical sucks. tape back on. Wow. It does suck. All right. That's some buzz marketing. Uh, Joseph Campbell, what is your advice on how to have a successful marriage? Joseph Campbell asked us a question? Yeah. Wow. He should know this question <laughs> or answer. Uh, marry, marry your friend. That's yeah. That's my biggest piece of advice. That's a good one. Because if you don't like your spouse, then you can't love your spouse. So yeah. Marry the person you want to hang out with the most. You should write a self-help book. <laughs> the end. I have another one for you, Chuck. Ready? Yes. Bethany Jackson asks, are you ever going to get another pet goat? No. Uh, well... Never say never. Okay. Yeah, one day I will. <laughs> right. When I retire, like to the country, I would love a, another goat because nice. they're the best. That answers that. Uh, Josh, Kari Obermack says, what is your favorite Simpsons episode? Ooh, that's a tough one, but I'm going to have to go with the old standby of Mr. Sparkle. Uh, the listen lady. I'm going to go with Monorail. That's a good one, too. Or, or any of the Halloween, like one through mm. ten or so. Yeah. Those are just great. Yeah. Um, Robert Browning, Justice League or Avengers? I don't know what that means. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, you do. Uh, as a kid, I was Justice League. I was way more into that. But here as an adult, like that Avengers movie is great. I'm into that. Justice League is DC? Yeah, Superman, Definitely Wonder Woman, Avengers, Batman. So. Yeah. Although I like the, um, the uh, Super Friends. That was all Justice League, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, I have a, a coherent answer then. Okay. For live action animation, <laughs> yeah. well, not live action, but for animation, mm-hmm. uh, I prefer Justice League. Yes. For comic books, I preferred um, Avengers, Marvel Universe. Okay. Well, in the new movie, uh, they're doing the Superman Batman movie, and then a full on Justice League movie is, is leading up to that. So we'll see. Jury's out. Yes. On motion pictures. Okay. But yeah, it's going to be hard to top the Avengers movie. That was pretty Not great. motion pictures, cartoon only. 
No, no, no. I'm talking about the uh, the new movies that are coming out soon. I gotcha. Yeah. Uh, Billy Schultz says, were there rejected titles for the podcast before you landed on Stuff You Should Know? Since you named it, I think you should answer. Uh, I came up with a bunch of um, ideas. One of them was Mc- McNeil Lair News Hour. <laughs> but that was already taken. <laughs> but Stuff You Should Know is in the original list of ideas. Yeah. What, Terminator 2 Judgment Day? <laughs> yeah, right. That was one. Yeah. All right. You're next. You want me to go next? Yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, this is a good one. Christopher Mark Reese says, which of the two are your favorite person for promoting science, Bill Nye or Neil deGrasse Tyson? It's a good one. Man, they're both so great. I say N-D-T. Yeah? Yeah. Cosmos is awesome. It is awesome. He also um, is totally comfortable, like, rocking a shirt unbuttoned at the top, too. Yeah. Like... He's, he's like the Billy D. Williams of science. Yeah, Lando uh, Tyson. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and he was on our TV show, which is really nice. You kind of have to go with him. All right. Naomi Hartman Garum. Oh, this is from her son Jackson, age nine. Uh, what was your favorite book when you were kids? My favorite book when I was a kid was, like, around your age or younger, was The Great Christmas Kidnapping Caper. It was about a bunch of uh, mice in New York that move into Macy's during Christmas time <laughs> and uh, Santa is kidnapped and they solve the case wow it was a great great book what was it called The Great Christmas Kidnapping Caper and it wasn't like a little kid's book I mean it was my first uh, novel oh it was long long form that was your favorite book when you were a kid yep my favorite book when I was a little kid was a Christmas book I think it was a golden book called something like A Visit to Santa's Workshop or something yeah oh my gosh it was so cute and then, uh, strangely, the first series of novels that I ever loved were Ramona Quimby books. Oh, really? Man, I used to eat those up. And I would take flack, too, at school. I didn't yeah. care. I loved those books. Yeah, I loved Encyclopedia Brown. Oh, yeah, he was good. And then, you know, when I was younger, younger, you can't do better than Dr. Seuss and Chell Silverstein and stuff like that. Yeah. The classics. Yeah. Um, I've got one. All right, go ahead. Uh, if This is from Alejandro Sandy. If you could live in any era of history, which time would you live in? Why? That's always so hard. I'm going back to what I said before. Me, Yumi, Cuba, 1920s. Okay. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say New York in like, I don't know, maybe the 1930s. Okay. <laughs> That'd be pretty fun. Cool. Lots of drinking and dancing. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> Cuba in the 20s too. Yeah, exactly. You just had the Latin flavor. Uh, Kevin Kinsey, which pickled thing do you prefer most? Eggs, cucumbers, peppers? Uh, or cauliflower, or anything else. I don't eat pickled things, so that's you. I I love pickled everything. Yeah. It's so good for you, too. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. It helps you uh, digest fats a lot more easily. Nice. Um, it's just really healthy, I like eating pickled, pickled stuff. You don't like pickles? Nah. Huh. Don't. Um, I have one more. Uh, uh, Aslan Riddell... Boy, there's some weird names on Facebook. How do I make a 10-year-old more responsible? <laughs> You're getting all the heavy questions, like secret to a successful yeah. marriage. How do you make your kid good? I think, uh, you know, you got to put them to work. Make them, make, <laughs> yeah. ma- or get them a pet. You make them responsible for something and that they're interested in. It would be my advice. I agree with both of your pieces of advice. Marry the person that you want to yeah. spend time with. Them. <laughs> yeah. And get your kid a hamster. Yes. 
Put them to work. Yep. <laughs> Charge money. You got any more? Yeah, I got too many more. Pick one. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. The one that I pick is as follows uh, from Mike Reels. Arnie or Stallone? It depends on the year. Mm. I'm going to have to say... I would go Schwarzenegger. Yeah? 80s Schwarzenegger. Nowadays, who cares? No. But if we're, like, taking the time warp back to the 80s, I would say Schwarzenegger. Conan the Barbarian, the original Terminator. Total Recall. Raw deal, Total Recall. Yeah, those are all pretty great. Yeah. Um, I'm a huge First Blood fan and Rocky fan. Yeah. So it's tough not to go with Stallone, although he made some really bad movies. Mm -hmm. Um, Like Tango, Assassin... Tango and Cash and uh, the Dolly Parton one about when he's a country singer. Oh, Rhinestone? Rhinestone, um, Cobra, like, I, I guess... Wait, wait, wait. Those were awful movies. What? What? You didn't like Cobra? No, did you? Yes! Nah. Huh. Not for me. Must have been the age difference. Yeah, so I'm going to go Arnie, too. Okay. How about that? There you go. Arnold. Uh, if you want to ask Chuck or me questions, you can go on to Facebook anytime at facebook.com slash stuff you should know. You can tweet to us at SYSK podcast. That's our Twitter handle. You can send us an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. Uh, and as always, join us at our home on the web, stuffyoushouldknow.com. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF. 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.